He doesn't understand that he's the one who has the power to stop it. He simply can't imagine that one little boy could be that important. Is it really me? Maybe he doesn't know what he has to do! What do I have to do? He has to give me a new name. He's already chosen it. Ah, uh, yes, I remember the joke. Never-ending story. It's false advertising. That's what the uh, one comedian said about this movie. Um, I think he said, or the, the, the line is, he's the one who has to stop it. Even though it sounds like he said, he's the one who has to stuff it. Anyway, this is uh, this movie's about you. My name is Tom Ertz. We are at the Rev Restaurant, 2848 Dundas Street West. And two films you, you Song. I love that song. We play it all the time at our house. Uh, theme song to this movie is about you. Written by my good friend, Louis Maroney, and uh, sung by the owner of La Rev Restaurant, uh, one of the great places to get a margarita and any kind of Mexican food that you would like, uh, 2848 Dundas Street West in Toronto, in case there is another La Rev and another Dundas Street West somewhere in the world. It is This one is particularly in Toronto. Um, the clip you heard was from The NeverEnding Story, and uh, it is the first movie of the two movie choices uh, picked by our guest, who my good friend, Louis Maroney, is going to introduce. Louis. Tom, thank you. Um, Tom, yes. do you ever wonder what motivates some people? Oh, I, it's, I hardly stop thinking about it. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm thinking of those who are uh, really productive and good at what they do. And sometimes it's obvious. A fantastic chef loves cooking. An inspiring teacher loves teaching. An innovative and engaging television writer loves writing for television. In some cases, though, it's not so obvious, and you have to dig a little deeper to discover what is stoking the fire of someone's passion. Take our next guest, for example. A television writer, director, and producer, he earned an Emmy nomination for the kids' animated movie Terrific Trucks Save Christmas, but family programming can't be his muse because uh, more recently he's been involved in the production of a horror mystery web series called Damaged, mm -hmm. which itself bookends other feature film and TV projects that are neither kid-friendly nor horror. So, <laughs> And his inspiration does not limit itself to film and entertainment because he is also an accomplished photographer with a piercing eye as proven in his Burning Man series. So what is the satisfaction he enjoys that ties all of these accomplishments together? Well, maybe we will find out today through delving deeper into his two movie choices. So, Richard Rotter, welcome to This Movie's About You. All right. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Thank you so much for that introduction. Wow. You did yeah. your research. I'm no, no, he's impressed. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, I find this uh, uh, very interesting. With Bernie, Bernie Man, like you actually went to Bernie Man. I went to Bernie Man two years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and like I have friends who go every year. Yeah. It's but, a commitment. Well, yeah, but you know what? I always, okay, I'm going to go on air saying this because some people are going to get upset, mm -hmm. but I always had a perception of people who would go to the Burning Man uh, event and my friends who go to the Burning Man fit that perception. You don't necessarily. I'm so curious as to what your perception is well, exactly. Well, okay, a sort of uh, uh, artists on the edge mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and certainly outsiders in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, people who uh, have no problem with sort of communal living and, you know, uh, the sharing of, I mean, they fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I'm a person who needs my privacy a little too much right. to, uh, to, uh, to, I can't imagine Burning Man being something that I particularly would enjoy. Right. Uh, and uh, you, you look like you're established of some, in, you know, certainly by what Lewis says. Sure. I just think I just thought you know kind of people that I think you really I think you started off on a terrible foot. With no, no, no. I, I think, I think we can say that. this is okay. Yeah. It's because I'm hungry. I'm hangry. It's yeah, I, I don't want. Yeah. I was going to introduce yeah. you as being hangry, hangry it's today. True. Yeah. And I didn't want to do yeah. that. I didn't want to set you off. This is the crusty podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, first time. It's going to continue to get crusty. Yeah. But did you go specifically to take my question? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. We we like each other very much. Yes. So yeah. Yes, you seem established. And it doesn't seem to me that people who have a comfortable, you know, they, they like to live on the edge. They sort of like to do things differently. Mm-hmm. You don't look like you do things differently. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm in my civilian clothing, for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, like last night, I was at a, an event that was organized by a lot of my burner friends out on a boat. Oh, you call them burners. They actually have a name. We, uh, yeah, sure. We can refer to them as burners. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe uh, we, we coined it here. <laughs> I, I don't think we did, but um, yeah, Burners. I think that um, I think there's a lot of perceptions about Burning Man yeah. that are uh, a lot of tales and stories that uh, similar to the stories that we're going to be talking to about today. And, oh, uh, you you want to keep me on track, do you? I do. <laughs> All right, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's one of those things. I think that um, Burning Man can be for everyone. Yeah, uh, and sure, if you value your privacy, maybe it's not the exact place for you. It's a pretty intense week, but for me, as someone who's a creative and loves expressing myself um, in a variety of different radical ways, mm-hmm. that for me is the epitome of the place to do it. Well, is there th- is there actually amongst the <clears throat> burners a um, uh, uh, a feeling that there's a misunderstanding of Burning Man? Is that something you talk about? Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think that a lot of people have this perception that Burning Man is this drug-induced orgy rave out in the middle of the desert. Um, and I'm sure there's pockets of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 70,000 people. But for Jesus. me, yeah, it's pretty. Inc- it's an incredible like gathering of really wonderful people. There's no money exchange. It's all bartering system. That's what it's I... Gi- yeah. or, sorry, no, it's not a bartering. It's a gifting system. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So there's no expectation of receiving anything for gifts that you're giving. Um, the only thing you could buy is ice or coffee, uh, and uh, but okay, yeah, that doesn't sound right. What do you mean? Well, why I, the ice coffee? Okay, everything else is a is a gifting. <clears throat> but ice coffee, you're gonna have to pay for. No, ice all, and coffee. Oh, ice yeah, and yeah, coffee. Yeah. But because okay. ice is like a premium and it's hard to bring into and then store because I mean the desert is so friggin' hot. It's, out it there. is not really a great place to. It is not to no, make ice, especially not a place to shower. Not a great place to no, shower. A no, a sand shower, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but I think he, I think uh, you know Richard said something. You know, uh, uh, you were talking about art. Uh, you used a word that sort of means extreme, and of course it popped out of my head now uh, in describing this. You like to sh- you like to express art in a. Uh, you used the word in a radical. Radical. Thank you. And, yeah. and that is maybe what I was um, thinking. Sure. When I think of Bernie Man. No, I think it's you know there's definitely a lot of radical art out there. I mean you have you have like right now in Toronto. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's a 10 art cars being built. Uh, two, one's already done called Heavy Meta, and then there's a bunch of other ones being built that are all being sent down there. And these are just people giving their time 
to create art and then share it out on the playa, which to me is like incredibly radical. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a capitalist society where we're all about me, 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 money, 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 and these people are just completely giving and willing. Are these are these people um, <clears throat> are these people actually um, taking a break from their life to do this, or is, are they expressing what how they um, live throughout the the, the year? Um, I don't think anyone's really taking a break. These people are like, this is kind of their hobby or on their downtime. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of type A, really intense people that go to Burning Man and are making these art cars and don't stop and they're co go go all the time. Right. So um, it's pretty incredible to see how quickly, like that metal dragon that breeds fire, I think, yeah. came together yeah. in yeah. three months. Right. Um, and yeah, it's incredible now. You see it all over Toronto. And is it, would you call it a social <laughs> movement in the sense that people would love to uh, have that culture expand globally and year-round? I think the values of Burning Man, I think, would definitely be something that we want to expand. Um, but at the same token, like in terms of the expression and all that, that's not going to be for everyone. Right. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that's great, and, and that's absolutely right. I recognize this. I find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. I did have an idea of what Burning Man was. Not an idea. I did have perception mm -hmm. uh, that was I, I knew must have been yeah. wrong, Yeah, but well, I still had it. But and I would say the one thing about Burning Man, you saw it in my pictures maybe too, just the way I treated them. It was actually, I mean, it's going to sound cheesy. I, like, I believed in magic all over again. Getting out there, I was going to say there was a fantastical feel to it's incredible. To it's the images. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I had a plymo where I got out there, and um, the light there was the most incredible thing I'd seen in terms of any of my photography. When in terms of the sunrise and sunset, uh, and just to see all the sands, like you know, specks just glittering all in the sky and everything like that, and to see these art cars in silhouette moving across the playa, it looked like monsters and you know creatures. I'm going to go. You should. I, no, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go, and then I'm going to experience it for myself, and we'll do sort of like a, a I don't know, we'll do something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, anyway, never-ending story. Never-ending story. Yeah, let's get to that. <laughs> I, I, let's I mean, do it. Well, let's do it, because uh, you did say something that is, uh, you know, leads us nicely into that, in that you believe in magic again. Mm -hmm. So when did you stop believing? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know when I stopped believing in magic, but I know when I started believing in it again. And, I th and it was just this moment where, like, suddenly I was out there in the middle and looked out across, as I said, seeing all these creatures and dragons and Pac-Man and a TIE fighter, you know, all this mishmash of pop culture and... I don't know. That's that's the moment where I believed in it again. I don't know when I lost that. Maybe I mean it might have been my teens when I grew out of being a child, you know. But right, and uh, but then maybe did, did you did you find it again, or did you just redefine what magic is? I'm guessing that's redefine. Yeah, yeah, maybe redefine how ma what magic is exactly. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would that's a great way of putting it for sure. Yeah, and so when you see Neverending Story, what, first of all, did you see it as a kid? Oh yeah, I've got right. a Falcor tattooed on my arm. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. look at that. <clears throat> I think this is the first time that we've had yeah. somebody do a movie pick of a movie they have tattooed on their It is yeah. absolutely yeah. the very I've first got my time. Own left, my own yeah. luck dragon tattoo. Sorry, was that your first tattoo? Uh, second tattoo. Second tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, what was your first one? I guess we have to ask because yeah. it's just uh, it's the crest of like a Polish eagle with a Canadian flag, just my culture. Right. They the haven't background. made that movie yet. They have no, not. Yeah. No, Maybe no. that'll be my next movie. Yeah, I think it should. Yeah. After side boob, you know, I go into my culture. Yeah. So. So that's interesting. So you'd love yeah. this movie so much. Yeah. I haven't met anybody who loved Neverending Story that much. Right. I always see Neverending Story as the kind of fantasy movie that wanted to be bigger than it ended up being. 
mm. like the Wizard of Oz, like 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 the, the ones that became the, the go tos. Yeah, I say the Wizard of Oz, and then I trailed off as if I had a whole bunch of others. Mary Poppins, I don't know, right. but uh, these sort of fantasy children's movies, and you picked two mm-hmm. that had that potential, mm-hmm. but from my perspective as a film critic, yeah. never quite made it. Right. So what? I, I'm not. I'm not being critical. Of no, your no, no, no. Please, I'm yeah, curious yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Of your choice. I actually, I think you know, I chose the two films specifically, also two out of the '80s. I think the '80s for me were kind of the golden era in terms of um, kids, t- kids movies. Um, just in terms of like a exploring really dark themes, um, kids coming of age through these movies, and then also for me, you know, we live in an era right now where VFX. Um, have taken control of all the films. It's now style over substance. And back then was still a point where we were making all these creatures. I mean, you know, Jim Henson was at the forefront of all these things. Yeah, The the imagination creativity was incredible. And so, I mean, you've got a plethora of movies that came out of that era that was on the forefront of combining VFX and special effects. And to me, you know, sure, some of it's still a little dated, but you look when I looked back at it as a kid, all that stuff was real. You know, it's actually thinking, making me think back to something that Joel was, Joel uh, Thomas Hines said in our last podcast about the uh, writer um, uh, uh, Miss Kane. I can't remember her first name, but she would d- describe scenes in her plays and say the blossom, the the the, the flower blossom. Someone's going to listen to both podcasts and say, I, I can't believe you described it that Lewis way, Lewis. But, <laughs> but you're describing it absolutely correct. Thank you. Yeah. But the the notion that I mean, I guess my question is, mm-hmm. do you think that people are um, writing now more to the technology as opposed to writing from their heart? Um, and do you try to combat that? Uh, so, yes, to your first answer. Okay. I feel like studios right now are caught up in the spectacle more than they are really in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, every movie that's coming out these days is produced by Disney. And, well, and, and I, yeah. You I know, and is there an archetype to those stories that's now, is it kind of becoming cookie cutter? I think so. All these yeah. superhero movies, the Star Wars ones, it's like every single, every two months we've got another big spectacle, you know, and then a movie like you see, <clears throat> um, did, you ever, did you guys ever hear of a movie called The Monster Calls? Yes. Came out two. I just saw, I yeah. love that movie. It was a fantastic movie. Bombed at the bo- at the box office. And for me, those are movies that were like, again, kind of go back to the 80s and explore actual story. Sure, there was a lot of VFX. Um, because it's just cheaper in the end to go VFX. Yeah. But to me, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we've kind of like lost perspective. Monster you Calls know? was sort of a, a throwback to Terry Gilliam's early yeah. films. Yeah. Uh, and and I did expect that movie to take off because not only is that film sp- spectacular to watch, I think Henry would love this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I haven't shown Michelle yet, but I will. Uh, it has such a satisfying heartbreaking ending mm-hmm. that you just don't see in other films. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, and never ended story, so it affected you as a child. And mm-hmm. I like that, that you said dark film. Remember Mark Little? Yeah. Uh, went, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he brought up, uh, well, his choice was um, Return to Wizard of Oz or something. Return, like. to, Return Oz. to Oz. Return yeah, to Oz. Return to Oz. A dark fucking film. A too. dark, dark yeah. film. And, yeah. and uh, he's a comedian. Right. And, uh, who said that comics aren't dark? Everyone says they are. Yeah. Uh, I too love the he dark. And old, he picked uh, Wizard of Oz and Return to Oz. He picked both the Oz. Oh, both he did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Wizard of Oz, I think, originally is a very dark story mm-hmm. that uh, that was lightened up. It's not actually one of my favorite movies. I know that's sacrilege. It's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. That's okay. I'm, <laughs> You're allowed to say it on your podcast. Yeah, I'll t- I only mention it to the burners usually. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, this movie, I, I do remember going to see Never Ending Story and, and thinking it was trying to get somewhere. Right. Maybe it never ended, and it just doesn't make it. I, I don't know what my disappointment was at that, and maybe I have to revisit it. So what was going on through Richard's mind when he saw it? Right, well, I also, I mean, I wonder, too, I had a really good conversation with someone today about the second film that we were going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, and whether or not um, it's different to watch it as a child. Because to go back to these films and never have seen them, a friend of mine said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I showed them this film, and they, it just did not connect with them. Oh, never any story? Uh, well, you know what? We should we should probably play. He's talking about the next m- yeah, movie. I'm why trying, we play I'm that trying to be coy. Yeah, why, okay, right why don't we play that clip right now? <laughs> that that is so nice of you. It's a good suggestion. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, I've been having technical difficulties with this cord, but hopefully it will work out. Hegel. Hegel. Yes. If I thought for one second that you were betraying me, I'd be forced to suspend you headfirst in the bog of eternal stench. I know, Your Majesty. Not the eternal stench. Oh yes. <laughs> and you, sir. How are you enjoying my labyrinth? It's a piece of cake. Uh, I, go. I got nostalgic. Jennifer Connelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, I have a Jennifer Connelly story, but maybe another time. Um, uh, uh, and, and David Bowie. Mm-hmm. I have yes. a David Bowie story. Yeah, we, we all have David Bowie. Yeah. No, no, not, no, like, not this like this one. Not okay. like this one. Uh, anyway, and, and again, this movie, like, Oh, David Bowie. We didn't know yeah. who Jennifer Connelly was at the time, but yeah. we knew who the Muppets were. We yes. knew who Jen Hansen was. And, uh, yeah, and, and certainly, what was he called? It, that Bowie called the something prince. The, the goblin, he was goblin king. Goblin the king. goblin king. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, certainly, this movie has gone on to some sort of cult status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you we, were how old when this movie came out? It was in 86, so I was two. So you saw it many years later. Well, I would say I saw it probably around like 1990. And I would say, you know, everyone, a lot of, most people are introduced to Bowie through his music. This is the first exposure that I had to Bowie, Hmm. I think, just in terms, I mean, I've dressed up as Jareth the Goblin King multiple times for Halloween because that spectacle is incredible. I mean. Did you get rid of the beard? uh, I I didn't have the beard back then. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And I keep it more PG. Um, his tights are really tight in that movie <laughs> for a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Not, not just PG, but for your own self-esteem. And totally. Stuff like, yeah. yeah you, know, I mean, uh, you can't tell me there wasn't digital effects in that. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, okay, so you saw this movie in the 90s, so now we're talking you're six or seven, right? Yes. Uh, and so you saw this film, and what was it? What you, you Because... Did Bowie really have an effect on you, or was it the the Muppets in it? You know, like I mean, I think it was everything. I mean, I think it's an empowering film, especially for a young girl who takes on this whole oops, yeah. this whole labyrinth, right? And that this, scared me. Yeah, it scared me. Yeah. Um, and you know, this really imposing, intimidating Goblin King. Yeah. Um, and to me, I don't know. I really connected as a child. Like I loved going on imaginary adventures, like with my brother and stuff like that. Um, like both, like Bastion does the Neverending Story and Jennifer Connelly's character. There is a bit of difference in this film because the archetype of, uh, in <clears throat> my experience, I used mm-hmm. to read a lot of fantasy books, and yeah. the archetype was always, uh, you know, doesn't matter, boy, girl, but it was mostly usually a boy, but yeah. a boy who didn't know uh, that he had some sort of uh, 
power inside him. of him. Yes. And then it's revealed to him and he has a quest he has to overcome and that's yes. very much like um, Never Ending Story. Mm -hmm. But you make a good point. Labyrinth isn't that. Labyrinth is somebody who's just has to be very brave and she actually doesn't have any any of the any inert power other than this bravery yeah and i don't know if you remember jennifer Connelly's character is kind of terrible she's a terrible oh yeah to sister. her sister that's right like yeah awful yeah um and a real brat mm -hmm. and you come to like her in the end but like when you start off you're like wow i am not rooting for this well girl you know it's, at all. it's funny and tom and i were talking earlier when, when we weren't all grumpy about our kids and i was uh <laughs> talking about how um you know different kids obviously will have different strengths and uh I'm not even going to call them strengths or weaknesses, just have different personality traits. Mm -hmm. And part of it is trying to uh, have them embrace those personality traits to make them into strengths. Yes. And so in this case, Jennifer Connelly's character would, did just that. It was her, it was that um, same fire that made her such a mean person that mm -hmm. um, gave her the strength to um, overcome the Goblin King. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. to be selfless, because in the beginning she starts off really selfish. Right. But so. is that what you were able to? You couldn't. No, have no, that's it on not. That no, level. I, yeah. no, 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 not at all. But I'm just saying. I'm just. Um, so back to your original question, though. For me, um, I think it was just a matter of like, I love world creating, and both of these created these incredible worlds that, at the time, for me, as I said, I, you know. I believed all that stuff was real. The VFX and the special effects all looked real. Those creatures, Jim Henson did an amazing job with uh, with uh, Labyrinth. And then, I mean, Never Any Story was a German film, Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah. Um, and to me, like, Falcor looked real, you know, and let me get lost off in that world. And, um, and so for me, you know, especially when I talk about coming back to, like, magic, I mean... Weirdly enough, I met the actress, actress by the way, who played Hoggle at Burning Man. Oh, her name's Sherry. It was Hoggle, in the, who was in our clip. The yes, little, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was so, he an elf or a goblin or what was he? He was a, no, he wasn't. A, he was yeah, I don't, I, dwarf. I don't know. Yeah. And actually, in that scene, yeah. just before that <clears throat> scene, Bowie and Jennifer Connelly, they're like calling him by the wrong name. Yes, and one of the names they use is Hogwarts. Which I was really, I was like, because Hogwarts yes, of from, uh, from, yeah, uh, from yeah. Uh, Harry Potter. So yeah. I was yeah. wondering if there was, if that's just a coincidence or if there's a, a, any some sort of conspiracy under underlying just maybe a tribute. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Be interesting to think about. Yeah, for that's, sure. I think you guys thinking it's a conspiracy. So what is um, <laughs> so for you? Because you keep on saying that you've now you're you're believing in magic again. So what yeah. is magic? Um, for me. Uh, Magic is saying yes. Magic is being courageous and just trying anything. Um, and the willingness to be silly and playful. And I think that we kind of lose sight of that as adults. Right. So um, to me, like, you know, within the, the Burning Man community and stuff like that, that's really evident throughout just in terms of people dressing up very similar to what, you know, David Bowie wears in Labyrinth. I mean, hell, me and my guy friends wear tights on the dance floor all the time. Um, because they're super comfortable. We look great in them. Of course. And um, they lend to, like, whatever costume, you know. And um, so for me, I mean, that's what magic is. I think it's just, like, allowing yourself to get you, let your imagination soar and just, you know, express it however you want. Right. Go back I, to radical I, expression. I think magic would be me looking good in tights. Just we could that, get you in a pair of tights. No, no. That, it all, that it all depends who's looking. I got to be honest. Every, especially every man, says they could not pull off a pair of tights, and I swear to God, we. Oh, can I all could do pull it. them off. I'm.
Oh, sorry, that's not what you meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just can't really wear tights. I don't think so. I'm 60 now, so tights are out of the I've question. seen plenty of men at Burning Man that are... Well above sixty wearing tights. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, now, so there's yeah. a, that there's that connectivity now. Burning Man. That's the the. It sounds like Burning Man's um, uh, mode of being is magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what would be the implications if? And, and I'm sort of repeating back to what we said, but it, I'm finding this curious. Like, mm-hmm. if everyone embraced magic right is that the burning man world or do you think that the, the, that society outside of the desert would be uh sort of the same but actually maybe nicer or something i don't know Ooh, i don't know that's a good question i mean there's something to be said about like you know a place like burning man um being really special and mm-hmm. that you can appreciate it more so uh when you leave that you try and bring a little bit of that back to everyone else that you kind of interact with um, but it doesn't get diluted by the whole world being magical, you know. Um, but it would be nice to see a little bit more magic in this world, right? But yeah. I think that's the, I think I think that the you hit on it is that it is a moment of time, and then once and we've seen this, and I mean it's been discussed in films. I always say I always use bananas as the Woody Allen's mm-hmm. bananas as the example right. of this. Mm-hmm. Is that the success of one particular philosophy once it expands? Is, is immediately like driving a car off a parking lot. Mm-hmm. It immediately starts to get ruined. Yes. It immediately starts mm-hmm. to, the kinks in it, stuff like that. So yes, yes. I, I hear my friend Tracy, I can say her name because I didn't say her last name, uh, who goes to Burning Man religiously every year. Yeah. Her idea is like, you know, why can't we build a society where we don't use cash and stuff like that? Right. You know, great idea, but somehow, somewhere, at some point, that's yeah. going to, you know, become misrepresented it loses its focus it's for loses sure its focus yeah. yeah thank you for that yes yeah. mm. so uh, anyway i think you chose two amazing films uh yeah. and and so you had to see both as a kid originally yes and then uh, now now let's jump ahead a few years sure yeah and then and, see that was my i had a there good we go. that was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ding, we jumped a friend a few years and uh uh you have you seen him again as an adult um yeah i re i, I rewatched them i guess within the past couple years actually um and Labyrinth especially, um, just in terms of, we go back to Bowie in terms of how he used to express himself. I mean, the man was super progressive in terms of, in terms of you know, masculinity. Well, androgyny really was, seemed to be invented by David Bowie. 100%, yeah. And so, like, you know, my, the <clears throat> the feature film that I just directed um, explores that exactly, um, just in terms of, Give like... Give us the title. The title is Side Boob. Um, and it follows a dance floor king that on the eve of the closing of his favorite club has to kind of decide what kind of man he wants to be. Um, and this is like a, you know, very much like a burner focused community where he's wearing tights. He dresses up in extravagant costumes. Um, and this ex friend that comes into his life challenges a lot of that in terms of his traditional perception of what masculinity is. And so for me, like someone like Bowie, I just recently saw a uh, picture that a friend of mine posted of me 15 years ago dressed up as Jareth, the Goblin King. And it was something for me that I've always kind of um, loved to test and expand in terms of what masculinity means in terms of how you dress. And I mean, right now, I'm very traditional, um, but on the dance floor, and especially like me and my friends, it can be whatever you want without judgment, you know? That I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you ever run into <clears throat> judgment doing that? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I walk out 
the front door for, with uh, my neighbor, my Portuguese neighbor. He yeah. often has eyes going, what is going on over there exactly? Um, yeah, but I mean, to be honest, uh, I don't let it bother me. Right. I, is there, but is there a little bit of self-consciousness going on? There was at the beginning. Yeah, sure. of course. Yeah, I mean, when I started off, um, I definitely was like, I can't pull off a pair of tights or I can't put on a pair of tights. <laughs> um, and, um, but now I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy and pretty comfortable expressing my masculinity in whatever form it needs to be. Like, I mean, we go to these parties and guys are wearing glitter and makeup and all that kind of stuff. And Well, there was a period where uh, teenage boys were wearing eye makeup. And it didn't last long, but I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how do you think uh, these? And we're going to wrap up in a in a moment. But sure, how yeah. do you th- how do you think this influenced your work now? These films or this attitude or yeah. You know? Well, I think that um, I think both films have um, a lot of hor- horror elements to them. They're yeah. they're pretty scary. I mean the the nothing. Uh, the yeah. wolf, all that kind of stuff, and to me, I've always loved horror films. So, like that series that I just did, um, def- it's horror noir. Um, but the next film that I'm writing is going to be um, definitely a horror film that has a kid exploring some sort of like adventure with horror elements and a coming of age story. And that's always been kind of something that I've al- that I've loved and gravitated towards. And think that we are kind of missing in film today because I think there's a lot of helicopter parenting and a, a tendency maybe to not want to expose our kids to that kind of stuff. But well, to, the way you, you know. originally described the two films, yeah. you you talked about them as dark fantasies, which yes. made me immediately uh, think about the original fairy tales and mm. how they always had a very dark side to yeah. them and yeah, there was always much. violence and death. and, and um, Grimm's fairy tales are really dark. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 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 So it 100%. sounds like you're kind of hearkening back to that as yeah, well. And Gilliam did that too. Gilliam yes. would take a, a dark story. Like I thought the uh, the Time Bandits is one of the oh, darkest yeah. kid stories. I've ever. It starts off with their parents being killed yes. or something. Yeah. Well, that happens There's a lot of parents being killed off in the 80s for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to try to figure... We're, we're going to sign off in just a few moments, but I, 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 in my mind, I'm going to try to figure out how to pitch my horror story to you. Please. Uh, but uh, <laughs> until that point... Does it uh, involve you in tights? Uh, oh, God, that would be a horror story. Yeah. <laughs> Holy mackerel, you scared me even now there, <laughs> Stuvis. Anyway, uh, uh, so is there anything you would like us to uh, make sure people know about? Um, well, I'm applying to film festivals with Cyboob right now, um, and I think it's a pretty awesome, fun film with an incredible Canadian soundtrack, too, that we managed to get. From who? Uh, well, it's like 23 bands. We got the Darcy's, Winter Sleep, Hannah George's. Um, it's, and, you know, a third of it takes place in a club, so we had to have a lot of music, and so we're pretty proud of what we pulled together. So I just applied to TIFF last week and a bunch of other festivals. So. How about Blood in the Snow? Did you, did you send it one to them? I don't even know what that oh, is. Oh, that's, see, that's why I brought it up. Blood in the Snow are bits is one of the best it, it's all uh, genre films mm. and at they t- and mostly all independent genre films okay I just love that there you one. go yeah I'll yeah. have to check it out yeah cool um, I Kelly Michael Stewart who's been a guest on our show uh, is the founder of that so uh, thank you so much Richard thank you for dropping by sorry I, you know mm-hmm. you know I, I hope we can d- deal with your uh, um, hangriness ma- yeah. no right I think now. it's working for me yeah <laughs> yeah okay you're gonna okay. bring it to yeah. future podcasts yeah. 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 just exactly. a little bit of edge you know yeah, uh, yeah exactly yeah. 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 and what's the um, I don't the my, the website uh, escapes me right now but the where you can find information the on those uh, side boob and um, oh we've got my um, my business partner and I have a company called miniature donkey productions 
Um, so you can check it out at mini, minidonkbroad.com. Right. Um, but we'll probably be having more stuff come out, you know, in, depending on whichever festivals we get out to and everything like that. So, okay. yeah, check it out there. Plus, maybe a newly, new horror film that had a great script. Maybe. That I know about. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting. Oh, oh Jesus. You're going to love it. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Richard. And, and Lewis, please, why don't you, you know, send us on our way? Sure. So you can uh, find us at Facebook on facebook.com slash thismoviepod. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at this uh, movie pod, and you can find Tom on Twitter as well at uh, Real Tom Ernst. That's R E E L T H O M is how he spells his name. Yep. And then Ernst. Ernst, as in Max Ernst, Max which Ernst. is the uh, an artist that everyone loves. Yeah. So some people don't like him. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, now I think new, I think my brain cells are starting Is it to starting to melt. Yeah, it's starting yeah, to melt. But um, Richard, uh, thank you so much for being on the on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, gents. And uh, Tom, do you have anything you want to see? I would say? like to say one more thing. Uh-huh. I would like to say one good movie deserves another over top of Indira, please. <laughs> Aim for what you get to